0: Would you pray with me, please? Father, I just thank you for the truth of what we just sang. Lord, I pray that that would not just be words that come from our lips, but that would be the difference in our hearts, that we would recognize that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways higher than our ways. And because of that, so far as the east is from the west, you have removed our sin from us through your Son, Jesus Christ. That is how great you are. You are not only a God so powerful that you spoke the stars into existence, naming them one by one, but you called out from before the foundation of the world and you looked down at your children and you said, that one's mine. And you have redeemed us and you will someday restore us to that perfection until that day comes. May we just keep singing your praise and declaring your promises in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. That was a long time to be standing, so you guys did a great job with that. The great tension in modern Christianity is our struggle between knowing that we are supposed to live out Christ's commands, but ignoring what he taught in the Beatitudes, That's my premise for the series that we're in. So when he says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, you go, wait a minute, how is bankruptcy blessedness? Or when he said, like he did last week, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we realize that we not only are supposed to accept mourning and pain, but see it for what it is, a product of the fall and sin in our lives and in the world, and embrace it, because we see it as an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, we start to get a glimpse of what he means. And today we're going to see, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. But guys, he's not just saying that we're to accept these things begrudgingly, we are to embrace them. We're to behold them. This is not a series in the Beatitudes. We're using the Beatitudes to, to sort of pick a psalm, and it's really a series in the Psalms. And part of why we wanted to do some psalms this summer is because they're an often forgotten part of the Bible. You know, the, the, the wisdom literature or the poetical literature, like the Psalms and the Proverbs, are not often taught on Sundays, and, and, and sadly, we sometimes even forget to read them, um, although my soul runs to those places when um, it is hurting often. But it is where we find food for our souls. And I'm hoping that that's what you're getting out of the series that we're in this summer and that you'll get out of today. Today we're looking at Blessed Are the Gentle, that he says in Matthew 5, but we're going to look at Psalm 23. Today's question is Are you aware of all that is yours in Christ? Are you aware of all that is yours in Christ? In part, there's a few reasons that I ask this question, I'll get to as we go along, but. One of the things is, guys, the the New Testament uses the word blessed more than a hundred times. And not a single time in any of those hundred times is it ever connected to material prosperity. When God uses the word blessed, he is not talking about health, wealth, and the prosperity gospel. Never in Scripture does he say that. And yet we often talk about how blessed we are because of our health and how blessed we are because of our finances or or in different ways. And and, and I'm not going to say that that's bad. It's just not what God means by blessed. I talked last week, God does not bless us to make us comfortable, but he blesses us to make us comforters. So blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Depending on your um, version of the Bible you're using, whether you're an NASB or, like I am, or ESV like I often use here, or um, the, you use the New Living, it, it'll translate that word gentle into either meek or humble. So I want to just take a minute and sort of define what that overarching term means before we jump into the psalm about it, because those terms are used interchangeably. So here's some, some basic definitions of what gentle slash meek slash humble might mean. Without pretense. Free from malice. Here's a couple that just, I didn't like. Not irritable. Or harsh. Ah! Because if you know me well, you know I'm both of those things. And shows self-control. Guys, I want to show you, before we jump into Psalm 23, we're going to go there, so if you've already gotten there, just keep your finger there. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians is in your New Testament. It's past the the Gospels, past Acts, past Romans, past 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Go to Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read to you what Paul writes about the difference between the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh set its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So, they may do, so you may not do the things that you please. So he's talking about this battle between our physical selves, our physical fallen self, and our, and our redeemed, not yet fully restored spiritual self. And there's this wrestle that we all have and it says in verse 18, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and carousing, and things like these. Guys, now, depending again, on your translation, those words might be translated a little bit differently. We tend to fixate, when we see the deeds of the flesh, we tend to fixate on, on the biggies, on, on things like lust, on things like adultery, on things like homosexuality, on things like, like we focus on those biggies. But most of that list is about personal relationship and how we deal with each other, gentleness, right? It's, when it's talking about factions and dissensions and, and, Anger and dispute, that's most of that list. But here's the good news. As spirit-filled, redeemed sons and daughters of the Most High God, we have the Spirit of the Living God who produces the fruit of the Living God inside of us. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. What, what we desire, if we're going to be gentle and blessed, because we are gentle, it is what we desire is to be spirit-filled, fruit-producing followers of Jesus Christ. So when I say, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth, how do we do that? Right? How, how do we get there? Part of it is by being completely submissive to the God who made us. Just like the other two Beatitudes were far more about this relationship than this relationship, so is this one. right? I remember, it's been over a year ago or so, that Abby asked me the question, my middle daughter Abby asked me the question, Dan, have you been praying for patience? And I said, no, why? And she said, because there's been some stuff going on that normally would get you pretty lit up and and you've been fairly patient and I didn't know whether that was an insult or not but I think she meant it I think she meant it as a compliment and I said but no what I have been praying is that God will remind me that he's sovereign that no matter what is coming at me it is filtered through for me by my father in heaven and when you recognize that you tend to be more patient While we were on our break, I had Abby make me this little, um, this was something God hit me with as we were on our sabbatical. I had her Photoshopped whatever she does to make it look pretty, and it was these things. Be patient, be positive, and be praying. To remind me, because these are things that I struggle with. Lord, help me to be patient, to be positive, and to be praying. How do I do that? Only by knowing that he is in control. But guys, you might be sitting here right now going, blessed are the gentle. Okay, I'm, I, I, I think I'm pretty gentle. Okay, I think I'm fairly meek. Well, chances are, if you think that, you're not, right, for most of us. But, but the other part is that often when we see someone who is gentle, who is meek, what do we think of that person? Too often we think Doormat. We think pushover. It's just not part of our cultural vernacular to be that to step back and let someone else go first. Right? That's not part of being an American. But it is part of it is part of being in the body of Christ. It is part of being Christian. Because that's exactly what He did. So when I ask the question, are you aware of all that is yours in Christ, and you say, wait a minute, what does that have to do with gentleness? I would say everything. Because when we come to understand all that is ours in Christ, and all that God has given us, and all that really matters in the world, all that stuff that normally makes us angry just goes away. I've asked this question before. I saw it from Paul Tripp, one of my favorite authors, and he says, how much of what you have been angry or aggravated over in the last let's just not kid ourselves, let's say this morning, how much that you have been aggravated or, or, or angry about has any eternal significance whatsoever. But if we can focus everything through this eternal significance, we become far more gentle. Guys, if we, go, if we draw our strength from God then we can be gentle people. Why? Because another one of my favorite authors, uh, Warren Wiersbe, I think he's still alive, but he must be like as old as Methuselah at this point, says, he said this, when we know that we are his, living life for his glory, what people say and do or don't say and do doesn't really matter very much. The praises of God will last forever. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, guys, if your focus is what is, is living for the audience of one, then you tend to be far less concerned about all the other junk that's going on in your life, which will tend to make you more humble, more gentle, more meek. What characterizes lives of the people? That, because there are people that are very sweetly genuine. There are people in this body. Praise the Lord. We have. We have... I think far more than many churches that we visited while we were away. I mean, I I didn't really get to meet everybody, obviously, but so it's probably not a fair thing to say. In fact, I'm sure it's not a fair thing to say now that I said it. um, Is we have a a lot of very gentle, sweet-spirited people here. We really do. We're we're very much a place of grace, and we can always grow and be more gracious. But what what are those people characterized by? They're characterized by being um, not easily insulted, by being very forgiving. Right, by being um, not irritable, not easily angered, by being steadfast and not easily rattled. Why? Because most of those people that have that personality are so connected with the Lord that they just none of that other stuff gets to them. None of none of life's stuff gets to them. And I want to be like that so badly that I had my daughter make me a picture to put on my phone to remind me of it. And within minutes. I can just blow that all up and forget it and become that jerk that I, my flesh is. Right? Guys, here's the thing. We cannot white knuckle this into existence in our lives. We cannot just go, I am going to become more gentle. <laughs> uh, see, obvious, obviously, we can't do that. Just like we can't become more poor of spirit and we can't get better at mourning and embracing pain. We have, this is not a battle of our will. This is a battle of our with. Guys, this is not a battle of our will. It is a battle of our with. It is a battle of who we are spending time with. And what I mean by that is time with the Savior, sitting at his feet, soaking him in. I think I put this up a couple weeks ago. If not, here it is. We need to focus less on trying to be more like Christ. We need to focus less on trying to be more like Christ and simply be with him. He is that overwhelming. So how do we find this place? How do we become these people by being with the Lord? By experiencing his love and his care and his providence that which just means he's in control of everything in our lives. When we the more we experience that, the more we are able to be the people we want to be, the gentle, kind, gracious, fruit of the spirit people that we want to be, and not the deeds of the flesh people that I, at least for one, if, if you want to make me be the only one who stands up here and says that, thank you for leaving me hanging out here by myself, but um, if we, yeah, I got one amen there from somebody else, but guys, we, we need to be in the presence of God. So we're going to do something a little different this morning. It's going to be different, it's not going to be weird, so don't get freaked out. But we're going to spend the rest of the message time in the dark. Well, not really dark, because it doesn't get that dark in here, and that's okay too. Because this message, I'm going to ask them to bring the lights down. Turn to Psalm 23. The Psalms is the middle of your Bible. If you haven't already gotten there from being in the invocation, just open your Bibles up towards the middle. It's either Psalms or Proverbs. We're going to look at Psalm 23. It's a Psalm of King David. And the reason I wanted to do this is I wanted, I, wanted, I know that, that my preaching is not generally gentle. I get that I do a lot of this, and, I, and, and and it's not planned. It just is. It just is part of who I am. It's part of that old teacher in me, and it's part of that, I don't know, it's just part of how God has wired me to be. But today, I just really felt like as, we were, as I was praying through this passage and what this passage is about, we just need some time to step into a cool room, to sit down in a not-so-comfortable chair, but to just sit and be still and soak him in. So your role is to, if, if the Spirit gives you something that I say, is to, is to follow along in your reading. There's enough light in here to read on. And, and if the Spirit hits you with something, write it down on your connecting points for sure. I would encourage you to do that. I would, the, the only other thing I would ask you to do is don't fall asleep. But we're just going to go through. There's six or seven of these parts of the Psalms. We're going to spend a couple minutes on each one. I'll end each of those times in a short prayer and putting up one of the names of God from the Old Testament because I know some of you guys did a study while we were away, I think, on the names of God. And I'm just going to ask you to to just let him speak to your soul. Because I feel like as a people... I know before I left or while I was away, I just, what I was asking people to pray for and what, what you guys were faithful to pray for, for us for was that we would just find soul rest. And we did, I did. But, but guys, it's amazing how fast eight weeks of soul rest can bam in a, in a dry and weary land where there is no rest. Can, you can get dried up in a hurry. And so we just need some time to soak him in. So we're going to do that this morning as we look at Psalm 23 together and ask the question, are you aware of all that is yours in Christ? Psalm 23, verse 1, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord wants your attention. The Lord wants your attention. Because he is not the shepherd, David says he's my shepherd. He is not a God. He is the Lord. Do you see your heavenly Father that way? The Lord is my shepherd. I want for nothing. The problem is, guys, we don't want, we don't, want to submit to the shepherd. Even the word submit in our culture is is not seen positively. We don't want to submit, we don't want to release our freedom, but let me ask you a question. When a tree is blown over by the wind and its roots have been ripped out of the soil by which it was bound, is it free? Is that tree really free? When a fish has been caught by a fisherman... And Yanks, away, you're here and, and you've pulled the fish out of the water and you have released it from the bondage of the water that it was in. Is that fish free? No, that fish is dead. Why? Because it was made to live in the water. The tree was made to be anchored to the soil. You were made to be in relationship with the, the shepherd who loves you. So there is no more free place to be than in the center of your shepherd's will. You will want for nothing. Peter said it this way. For you are continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. The name of God, Jehovah-Rohi, means the Lord, my shepherd. Let me pray. So Jehovah-Rohi, I just pray that you would remind us of your great love for us in this place right now. That you are the good shepherd that you are the one who laid down your life for your sheep. Lord, may we hear our shepherd's voice. Father, I pray right now for those in this room that don't know your voice, who don't know you as the shepherd. Maybe they thought they did when they walked in the room. And right now in this moment, when they finally have a chance to sit and be still, they hear your voice saying, I love you. I died for you. Thank you for being our shepherd. In Jesus' name. So the first thing is he wants our attention. The second thing is he provides opportunities for reflection. He provides us opportunities for reflection. He says right here in his word, verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I get that it's easy to think, well, he was, this was King David. Easy to sit there and re- read, write, something, write a song like this, David, when you're sitting in a palace, but you don't know my life. Well, you don't know David's life, if that's what you're thinking. Because David wrote Psalm 23. They think when he was in the En Desert, I was blessed to be there a year ago, May. And it makes the desert in Arizona look lush. He was hiding from a madman surrounded by a bunch of criminals that, wanted, that needed a leader. So they picked him. And he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He, my shepherd, restores my soul. Does your life reflect that? Is your calendar, your life, your schedule, your pace so filled with other stuff that he doesn't make you, he, you can't even hear his voice? Because there have been times in my life where that's been true for me, where in my, in my believing life, where, that's been, where in my mature Christian life, whatever that means, believing life, where that's true for me. And I'll tell you what, if you let that go very long, one of two things is going to happen. God is going to release you to yourself for a season, not unto salvation, but just to let you see just how bad it is out there without him. Or he's going to sit you down. He is going to say, I will not allow this. And he will find some way of of getting you to sit. Often our physical ailments, often our physical ailments are God's way of saying, sit down. Be still. Listen. Because I got something to say. In your hand, in your bulletin, there was a little handout that had the picture of admittedly fuzzy picture of a mountain with the reflection and it says, be still and know that I am. Right? It's only the peaceful pool that reflects God. You throw a rock in that pool, you get it agitated and it does not reflect the God that stands behind it. Does your life reflect the God that stands behind you? Jehovah Shalom means the Lord our peace. Let's pray to that shepherd. Father, I thank you. The great Jehovah Shalom. You are the peace bringer. You are the peace keeper. I admit that there's so many times in my life, moment by moment and day by day, where I don't live that peaceful life. And more often than not, it's because I have not made the time to soak you in, that you would restore my soul. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would just overwhelm us with your grace. Restore our souls in Jesus' name. He wants your attention, he provides opportunity for reflection, and then it says, in the second half of verse 3, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He gives you direction. He gives you direction. Listen to this from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with robes of righteousness. Because that's how your shepherd sees you. Regardless of what you did on Friday night or regardless of what you are going to do tomorrow, he knows it all anyway. That's what the cross is about. It's because he has put on a new wardrobe for you, it's his righteousness. If you would like to, you can keep your finger in Psalm 23 and you can turn to the right, just a few books, to Isaiah chapter 30, so go past Proverbs, Isaiah, I can't talk and find it at the same time, Isaiah chapter 30, because he provides direction as well. I'm going to start in verse 15. Isaiah is one of my favorite books. I often say that if if I could only have one book in the Bible, it would either be the book of Psalms or it would be Isaiah because Jesus is all over both. And the heart of God just flows from both. And it says in verse 15, "For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, "In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength." But you were not willing. And you said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you shall flee. Or we will ride on swift horses, therefore those who pursue you will be swift. One thousand will flee at the threat of one man, and you will flee in the threat of five, until you are left as a flag on a mountaintop, as a signal on a hill. He's saying, he's saying guys, if you're going to live your life trusting other people, if you're going to live your life not trusting me, it's going to be rough. Therefore. The Lord longs to be gracious to you, Isaiah says. Therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. O oh, people in Zion, inhabitants of Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. You will surely, he will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, that's speaking of Jesus, 700 years before he came as a man, there it is, he will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher and your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or the left. Jehovah Sidkenu simply means the Lord my righteousness. So Father, I thank you for the fact that you have clothed us with your righteousness, that you see us as sinless, even though we still struggle with sin. Because your Son, our Teacher, our Savior, our Lord, came and died on a cross he did not deserve that we might live his life. And Lord, I thank you that you sent your spirit as a pledge of our inheritance. That's what we're ga- we're going to inherit the earth someday, Jesus said. And as a pledge of that you sent your spirit to live in us and and he speaks to us. It is your will, to take your word by the power of your spirit and conform your people into the image of your son. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So he wants your attention. He provides opportunity for reflection. He gives you direction. In verse 4, I guess I ought to go back to Psalm 23. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is our protection. It's interesting, those words rod and staff there, the staff, we have the picture of the, sort of the shepherd's crook, you know, and, and, and the shepherd would use the staff. When a sheep would get too far away, he could reach out and pull it back. He could kind of protect it from danger, like from a cliff, from just to help guide and direct the shepherd. It was also a way for the, she- for the sheep to, to see the shepherd, like, because they could see the staff and know that that's where safety was. As I reflected on what the rod was, and I've heard a lot of teaching on this, and I'm not here to dispute that today. Guys, we know, just from David's life, because David was a shepherd before he became king, one of their primary jobs was to defend the sheep from the enemy. There were wolves and bears, and that's what the rod was for. And so what David is saying is he's saying, Father, your staff guides and directs me and it protects me from me and your rod is there to confront the enemy that is real and to protect me from them. Do we believe God's got this? When I make a poor choice, do I believe God's grace has got this? When cancer comes... Do I believe God's got this? When pain prevails. Do I believe God's got this? When I think my spouse is neglecting me or my child is rebelling against me, do I believe God's got this? When I feel wrongly accused or treated unfairly, or when a friend forsakes me, do I believe God's got this. Because Jesus was wrongly accused and he was completely betrayed and he was nailed to a cross and Isaiah tells us that he did not utter a word. Why? Because he knew his heavenly father had this. He understood who his shepherd was and it made him gentle. We are never more like Christ than when we are wrongly, when we feel wronged and we choose to forgive. That is Christianity. There's the, the amazing picture. I, I, I'm going to take the time. I won't turn to it, but in Acts chapter 7, we've talked about it here before, where Stephen, one of the first deacons, gets, is being stoned to death simply for telling the truth. All he's doing is sharing the gospel. And they stone him to death. And as he's being stoned, it says, and I see the Lord standing at the right hand of God. One of the few times you hear Jesus described as standing and not sitting at the right hand of God because he's standing for Stephen. And then the last words that man utters is, Father, do not hold this sin against them. Wow! How? Because Stephen knew who his shepherd was. Jehovah Raphi means the Lord my healer. Let's pray. Father, I pray for healing. I pray first and foremost for spiritual healing, for those hearts that are still stone cold dead, that you would turn them to hot-hearted hearts of flesh for you, Lord. But I pray too for physical healing, Lord. I pray that people in a few minutes, even as we have a chance to get up and be prayed for, I pray that they, I I would ask that, that you would move on them to get up and be prayed for physical healing, to be prayed for spiritual healing, to be prayed from to be released from emotional bondage of bitterness and unforgiveness. Not because the people that are praying or being prayed to or are, are anything, but because you are the great Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. In Jesus' name. So not only is he our protection, but he is also our celebration. If you look at the the first half of verse 5, he says, And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that interesting? It's it's a great picture of what what you guys saw in Philippians. I think it was Gary who taught through Philippians when when Paul says, And I, I consider everything in my life garbage but for this one thing, that I might know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, that I might be conformed to the image of his death. That I might someday be resurrected. How did, how did that happen to Paul? Because Paul understood that it isn't about here and now. That all of this is just premarital counseling for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And someday we will stand in heaven before him. Guys, I, one of the things that, that God hit me, one of the other things God hit me with on the sabbatical, and and this was my feeble attempt at a Photoshop thing, which is why I have Abby do it, but he said, Doug, stop settling for mud pies. Stop settling for mud pies. And here's what he meant by that. It's part of a C.S. Lewis talked about this in one of his books that I was skimming through, and he says, he says here is one of the huge problems in Christianity. Too many Christians are willing to settle for eating dust, mud pies when they have been invited to the banquet of the king. So we fill our lives with things that are s- sort of good because we don't rem- realize that he has amazing things in store for us. Gentlemen, when you struggle with lust issues and you're looking at stuff that is not your wife, you are settling for bud pies. Kids, when you guys are playing video games or listening to music or what that is not honoring to the Lord, you are settling for mud pies. And it breaks his heart. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is with me. Father, I pray that you would remind us in those moments where we're so quick to settle for mud pies that you are the one that is with us. And that we would see everything else as refuse, as garbage, but for this, that I might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. In his name we pray. Amen. There's a couple more and they go quickly. The question says Are you aware of all that is yours in Christ? Here's those things He wants your attention, He gives opportunity for reflection, He gives you direction, He is your protection. He provides, he prepares the celebration in heaven and he makes known his affection. Listen to this. My cup overflows. David says, he has anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Remember where he, was, where he was, guys? He wasn't sitting there eating. At the, he wasn't eating at a fine table at that point. And yet, he could say, in the middle of a desert, in the middle of someone trying to kill him, in the middle of all this bad stuff in his life, long before he was ever king, he could say, my cup overflows. Why? Because it was God who did it. He's like, because I'm his. Guys, if you are his, your cup overflows whether you know it or not. It just does. Take it. Because he took the cup of wrath that we deserve so that we could have the cup that overflows. So take it. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that he might, that you might proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. Guys, that, that, remind yourself of that. That's 1 Peter 2.9. Remind yourself of that. You are precious to him. The the name Jehovah Mekadesh means the Lord who sanctifies or sets apart. You are set apart ones. So Father, I thank you that we are set apart ones. I thank you that you have called us yours. that, that, That as I prayed at the beginning of the message, Lord, that before the foundation of the world you looked down from heaven, that you said that one's mine. And you knew, you knew that I was going to spend the first 24 years of my life denying your existence and mocking those who follow your son, Jesus Christ. And you said, that one's mine. Why? Because it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the people standing in front of me. It has everything to do with your son, Jesus Christ, his blood shed on a cross for our redemption because you so loved us. In Jesus' name. Finally, he will bring about his perfection in you. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our reality, guys. When, when, when back to the beginning, the beatitude. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. He's not talking about this earth right now. He's talking about the new heaven and the new earth that you're going to read about this week if you're doing the daily readings that fill in all of the beauty that I'm missing here. Guys, hang on to this reality. Regardless of what's going on in your life, hang on to this reality that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. The Jehovah-Jireh is the name for the Lord who sees to it. Guys, it's not, it has nothing to do, praise God, our salvation has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the Good Shepherd. So let me pray. Father, I just thank you for that truth. I thank you that you are the Jehovah-Jireh. You are the one who will see to it. You are the one who will bring us to completion in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. As I invite the music team to come up, we're just going to, take time and a song of reflection and a time of reflection. Guys, there'll be people in the back that will pray with you before we go to communion. If, if you need prayer for anything, please get up and go, go be prayed for. If, if you're with someone who needs prayer, get up and go with them. If you feel led by the Spirit to pray for somebody, get up and go pray for them. But guys, as, as as they get ready to, to play this song, I, I want to put two images in your head. Because here's here's the reality of what we just talked about. And I know I'm a little over time, but, but here it is. We can live struggling to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, like this picture right here. We can live this. It's all on us, man. I've got to do it. I've even got to I've even got to figure out this Christian walk. And we can be the irritable, agitated, angry people that we don't want to be. But the Lord is our shepherd, and we want for nothing. So we could live like this. We could put our world in Christ's hands and let Him carry it. The choice is yours, it's two ways to live. Let's pray. So Father, I just come to you right now and I thank you for a Savior who is powerful enough to take our whole world in his hand. I thank you that he even invites us to put it in his hand. I pray that you would remind us in this place, like tell us all right now, individually, that your spirit is is in this place. Tell us who's holding our world. And if it's not you, may we lay it at the foot of your cross. May we come. May we come simply. May we come sweetly. May we come gently. May we come meekly. But may we just come because you invite us to come. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls.